Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. It's no secret that we recently had a baby, and after going through this experience for a fourth time, we continue to learn more and more about how we can care for a newborn and ourselves. On today's podcast, we will be sharing with you four do's for life with a newborn. Along the way, we'll tell you about our most recent birth story for baby Isaac, and we will share a hack for getting customized Catholic art that you can't even find on Etsy. Let's get started. Lisa, we are back. We are in a groove consistently podcasting. That's right. Two episodes in a row. Fantastic. And tonight we have a great episode. We are doing how to newborn. Babies. That's right. And we have a newborn. Yes. And we've just gone through this whole process of a newborn. But we're not doing this episode just because it relates to our own lives, although that helps. But it's also because you all have asked for this. We did a survey. We asked for, um, you know, what are you looking for for episodes? And you talked about parenting. And this falls right in there under parenting with newborns. So The start of parenting. Yeah. So we're going to get into, like, what are four things you should do when you have a newborn. But before that, we just thought it'd be fun to share our most recent birth story. I do like sharing birth stories. And people people are always curious. I don't know. So if you're well, like, I don't care about birth stories, <laughs> then you can just skip ahead. Well, and, and let's be clear. Like, when you hear the words birth story, it can go a lot of different directions. But we're not like real into detail people. We're not, this isn't going to be like an intense, all the gory detail birth story kind of no. thing. So, okay, I'll start us out here. So <laughs> everybody knows, um, if you've been listening to the podcast, that we have been doing a massive home renovation. It's been about seven months since we moved into the house. And we pretty much started right when we moved in. Mm-hmm. And um, so the last thing on our list was an electrician coming. Actually, there were three guys here. They came late in the afternoon, and it was 7 p.m. on Thanksgiving Eve that they left the house. Now, this was nine days before my due date. All of our kids have come at least a week late. So in my mind, Mm -hmm. we have at least 15 days until this baby's coming. And so these guys leave, and the day before, new carpet had just been put in. Like, Kevin was tearing up carpet frantically for, like, weeks on end, it felt like. Carpet... And all the staples and all the pad, all of it had to go. And then we had to kills everything because I was allergic to the house because the people before us had dogs that didn't apparently use the backyard for their restroom, as we found out. So it just, it, all of this had to be done. I could not live in this house. And it just, it's a, it's a big domino effect, right? So the electricians here, they're wrapping stuff up. This massive home renovation, pretty much every room in the house was touched in some way, shape or form. And it's been going on for months. Last big thing, 7 p.m. We're exhausted. And I'm like, okay, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. We're hosting. Mm -hmm. So I've laid out everything, all the foods laid out to be prepared, all the right pans, all the right, you know, serving dishes, all that stuff. 
and we're totally exhausted and we're getting ready for bed. It's 10 o'clock at night. Kevin, what are you doing? Why don't you chime in here? Well, I'm in bed and again, we've gone through all this home remodel. The week before is just constant taking out carpet, like a race to get all the carpet out before the carpet guys came. And so I am just still exhausted, like just physically, mentally exhausted from this sprint. And so I'm in bed and I'm Can I reading. add in here? Yeah. <laughs> that because of all the carpet pulling, Kevin got tennis elbow. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like legit went to the doctor <laughs> because his elbow was hurting so badly from the constant like continual motion of pulling carpet. He has tennis elbow, everybody. It's a true story. I'm currently going to physical therapy for tennis elbow. <laughs> from removing carpet. This is dangerous stuff. I don't, I don't know if it's like a badge of honor or a badge of shame, but I'm going to take it as a badge of honor that I have tennis elbow from taking out so much carpet. But, um, so you're in bed. So I'm in bed and I'm literally falling asleep while reading. Like I'm so tired. I can't keep my eyes open. And so I think I'm just reading something on a computer and like shut the computer. I was like, I'm just going to go to bed. I am so exhausted. Like I can't keep my eyes open. Mm hmm. And I'm, I'm getting ready for bed and I'm in our closet and all of a sudden my water breaks. And at this point in time, I'm asleep. I have fallen asleep for 10 minutes, exhausted. Yes. I have never had my water break. In fact, our third baby, like water break on its own, our third baby was born in call, which means she came out in her sack. Like they, the, the midwife had to break my water after she was born and like get her out of her little balloon. So, and the other two times the doctor had to break my water while I was in labor because it didn't happen on its own. And then here I am not in labor at all and my water on its own breaks. Mm -hmm. So it's 10 PM. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like this, this isn't how this goes. It's mm -mm. early. That never happens. And my water just broke. That never happens. So I feel like I like the, this isn't how you have a baby. Like, I don't even know what to do. So at first I just like for like five minutes, just kind of like sat there because my bags were not packed. None of our bags were packed. Nope. We had not installed the car seat in our car. Definitely not. Like we were not prepared. We were, we were hosting Thanksgiving. We were pulling morning. carpet. These are the things we were doing instead of getting yes. ready for this baby. And I thought I had 15 days at least to get ready before I had to go into labor. And here it was like my to-do list was a mile long before this baby was supposed to come. And it was like time's up. Like, this isn't like, maybe this is labor. No, when your water breaks, you have 24 to 36 hours to get the baby out. Like, it's imminent. There's, there's no turning back when your water breaks. So I wake Kevin up, and I'm like, um, we have to go. <laughs> my water just broke. And my immediate reaction is like, no, this is not happening. Like, I am supposed to sleep all weekend long. Like, I'm supposed to get rested before the baby comes, not when I'm exhausted. Nonetheless, like oh, okay, this means I'm not going to bed tonight. Like, this is not a good start to having a baby. But here no, we were. No. I knew, like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm having contractions. And that's when you're like, okay, I'll go back to bed and I'll get rested and let me know when you go to get go to the hospital. No, it's, oh, it's go time. It's, it's go on. Time. Yes. Suitcases, car seat, going to the midwifery. Yeah, we start packing. <laughs> and fortunately, my sister lives across the street, like like literally across the street. So I called her and said, um, so my water broke. Can you come over? And she's like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm coming. So she comes over and she had to calm me down because I was like, this isn't how this goes. Like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not, <laughs> this isn't how you have a baby. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I could not wrap my mind around it. So, you know, she's like, okay, here's the things. Let's pack. Like, let's get going. And so she ended up, she stayed the night at her house and we go to the midwifery. So we're kind of weird like that. This is one of our few granola areas. We live in Colorado. We go to the midwifery. Yep. So we get there at like 11 mm-hmm. and the midwife's like, okay, like, yep, your water broke, but... You're not having contractions yet, so why don't you go home? And I was like, no, I'm not going home. She's like, okay, I can tell you're uncomfortable with that. Why don't you lay down? They did a couple of things to kind of see if they could get labor going. And she's like, why don't you lay down and we'll see what happens. So we went to our room. And if you've never um, considered a midwifery, if you are, yeah, going to have a baby, if you're having a baby, I, I just, I love the midwifery. So they have basically like apartments for you. So there's a king bed and a big tub and there's a little kitchenette area and you basically go to like your little apartment. And so we lay down, both of us, Kevin gets in a quick little nap and I'm laying there. I'm like, okay, yep, this is happening. So start having contractions. My wife comes back after a while. I'm like, yep, like we're having a baby. She's like, yep, we're having a baby. (laughs) So, I mean, basically it's what, like, 1230 1 o'clock in the morning at this point yeah i got a solid 20 minute nap in yeah hey you <laughs> napped I, nobody feels bad for you you're not the one in labor it's rule your tennis one. elbow injury rule one don't complain <laughs> to a woman giving birth oh, that's, that's hard a, it was we're not to the dues yet night. but i think that's the first one <laughs> guys don't complain yeah so um I get in the tub. I'm in there for a couple hours, probably. Eventually, I get out. This is the part where you don't really need to know all the, all the details. But finally, at 3.50 a.m. in the morning, we have baby Isaac. So, like, six hours. Not even six hours between my water breaking and then he's mm-hmm. born. So, it was fast. It never feels fast when you're in labor. But, um, yeah. So, he was born at, like, almost 4 o'clock. And the way the midwifery works is they let you go home and you kind of feel like you're doing something wrong. Yeah, like, kind of illegal. You're like, yeah. will the police come to our home if we go, go yeah, home? Yeah, and just yeah. take this baby. Like, is this okay? <laughs> um, but everything was great. Everything was going well. He was healthy, uh, seven pounds, 13 ounces, uh, which is a middle baby for us. My, my baby ranges range from six pounds, 10 ounces to nine pounds, 10 ounces. So this one was right in the middle. And, um, we just headed home at nine in the morning Yep. (laughs) and my sister was home with the kids. And so we had been in communication with her and we said, Hey, don't tell the kids where we are. Like, like just, just play dumb for a while. Cause we thought it'd be really fun to just show up and be like, we had the baby. So, so the story goes, my sister was here and our youngest daughter, Grace wakes up, she comes down to our room like she does in the morning to come in and wake us up. And she sees Aunt Rachel there and she's like, oh, hi, Aunt Rachel. Can we read some books? <laughs> like doesn't even ask. Like, where's my parents? Where's mom and dad? Like, just like, oh, can we read some books? Like, that is so odd. Like, that's so hurt. My parents are gone. My aunt is in my parents' room and I don't even ask. Like, sleeping why? in their bed. Yeah, in literally sleeping in the bed. It's yep. just crazy that one per, a, a human being wouldn't, wouldn't have a question mark there. Yeah. 
and her two older kids they both have their rooms are in the basement so they kind of in the mornings especially you know it was thanksgiving morning so they usually kind of just pit her around and read books and so finally like they came up and she was like oh they're just out they'll be back (laughs) so finally we come home at nine with a baby and they're like what (laughs) so story goes we still hosted thanksgiving even though i just had a baby less than 12 hours prior um i didn't do anything we went upstairs but my sister and kevin's sister who also lives in town came over made thanksgiving dinner everybody ate downstairs and my sister just brought me up a plate of thanksgiving food and i ate homemade thanksgiving at my own house on the day i had a baby pretty good it was great so there's our thanksgiving baby there you go he's pretty great so he is three months now which is very exciting because oftentimes we talk about this fourth trimester Mm. and how really like really there's four trimesters to a baby and it takes them another full three months just to adjust like they still want to be in the womb for three months totally so he's finally turning that corner and so i feel like we just passed the newborn stage Mm -hmm. so that's why we're going to reflect a bit on newborns yeah so let's dive right in let's do the four do's for newborns uh, Lisa, do you want to start us off with number one? Sure. So our first do is uh, do resign to 20% productivity. Yeah. This, this is, is hard real. for me. Yep. It's hard for me. So here's the, the funny thing about Kevin and I is I feel like we have had three firstborn child children. Like we've Ch- done children's. this. Children's. <laughs> we've done this three times because there's two five-year gaps between our kids. So we have a long enough time to forget completely everything. Mm, yep. So it feels like that death to self all over again. I mean, three times we've been out of diapers, sleeping at night, children who can dress themselves, all those kinds of things. And then we go back in to the mm-hmm. newborn. So I always forget what it's like. But I, and I always think I'm going to be able to do more than I can. But there's two factors going on. First of all, you have this infant who needs all your attention, like mm-hmm. literally can't do anything for itself. And then you're recovering from giving birth. Yep. So between the baby and you, like success in a day is maybe even 10% productivity some days. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I think too, and I, this is probably, especially our first, but there's always a little bit of experience of this. Every child is you get in a mode of like survival mode. We're just like, how do we make it through this day? Like how do we eat, sleep, and shower and make sure this baby stays alive. Like these are our goals today. You mm-hmm. know, it turns very much from like, what can I get done or what I'm going to do around the house or how I'm going to work to just, did we all survive today? Oh, good. And I don't have much sleep, but we're all still living and that's where we're at, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I, again, especially the first baby, you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm just glad we're all alive. And there's always that experience. I think even with the fourth, you're like, mm-hmm. that's what we did today. We just, got through life, you know? Yeah. And you do that for the first couple of weeks and, and slowly it gets a little better and it gets a little better as you recover as mom and all that. But I, I think I always overestimate how much I'm going to get to do mm. the first few weeks and months right after the baby's born. And then I end up disappointed in myself because I didn't do enough. Um, yeah. So this, this time around, it was interesting. I feel like in some senses I was better Uh, our first baby i had what two and a half weeks before i went back to work Mm -hmm. now granted that's a whole nother story but um 
Kevin was in grad school. I was working at the grad school. We were fortunate to never have to um, have our daughter in daycare. It was always Kevin or I taking care of her, but our schedule was super wacky. And then with our second, I was a hall director. So again, we never had to do any kind of outside childcare besides Kevin and I are grandmas, basically. Um, but I think I had like a week for maternity leave because <laughs> we were living in a dorm and they just there's like there's really nothing you can do you can't take six weeks off as a hall director and mm-hmm. we knew that we knew that going in yep um and then with the third we were homeschooling which is a full-time job mm-hmm. <laughs> so we took a couple weeks but you know so this was really the first time i didn't have to like go back to work and mm-hmm. still i was like man i didn't get anything done like, yeah how did i yeah so so in some senses i feel like i this was the best I've done with lowering my expectations, but I still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. So totally. I think, yeah, again, giving Natalie time for getting used to the baby, helping them. But like, like you said before, like your own recovery, like if you don't take that into account, you just get really frustrated because you're not going to be yourself. It's going to take time and you just got to let yourself go through that process. And I think for a culture that very much uh, values getting things done and efficiency, when you don't feel like that, you know, you're just in survival mode. It can be feel, it can feel very off. Like, oh, like there's something must be wrong. I'm not getting things done. But just to know, like, that's not the season. It's not a season to get things done. It's time to heal. It's a time to get used to a new life. It's a time to get, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. Yep. And obviously every family is going to be different. Totally. Your circumstances, your situations, and, and how you're going to get things done. So I guess really like what I'm saying is like be gentle on yourself. Mm-hmm. And just resign to not really being a contributor outside of taking care of the baby and yourself for the first several months. Yeah. So, and husband, be ready. You got to step it up. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Dad really has to be ready to, to be giving at a level that's not normal. Absolutely. All right. Good. So that was our first do as we're talking through four do's for newborns. Before we do the other three, Lisa, why don't we go ahead and do our Catholic hack? I am so excited about our hack for this week. It's I've, a really good one. Let's just really, be really honest. It's a really good one. And I've been waiting weeks to be able to share it. So as we are setting up our new house, we are hanging things on the wall and trying to kind of decorate and make the home our own. So one thing that I really wanted is we have this big wall in our kitchen that's right above our kitchen table. And I wanted to get a large piece, like four feet by two feet is how big I wanted, just to make sure we actually filled that space properly. And what I wanted was some kind of a um, script writing that says, bless us, O Lord, which is the beginning of our Catholic prayer that we pray for meals. And so I searched online and I found a couple things, but nothing was ever quite the right shape or size or color. And then the one that I did find was like ridiculously expensive because it was such a large piece to ship. Like shipping was like only half the price of the piece itself. And I, I just was like, this, this just, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. So I reached out to my friend, Emily Runyon, who is a Catholic artist here in town. She and her husband work for Focus. And she does a lot of um, calligraphy and script and stuff. And so I said, Emily, here's my vision. I want this piece on wood that says, bless us, O Lord. Do you do that? Can you do that? How much does that cost? And this is where the hat comes in. This was Emily. She's like, okay, let's do this. 
She said, go to Hobby Lobby, find the shape, the size, everything you want and buy it. It doesn't matter what it says on it because I'll sand it out, refinish the surface and paint whatever it is you want on there. And that's exactly what I did. So I went to Hobby Lobby, found the exact right size, the exact right frame, background, everything that I wanted. And she took out like a a big sander, not like sandpaper, but like an actual sander. (laughs) And it said farmhouse. She made farmhouse disappear and she scripted, bless us, oh Lord, on it. And it's hanging up in our kitchen now. That's real nice. It's real nice. And I got the frame uh, or the whole like wood piece for 40% off because you can always get whatever you want at Hobby Lobby for 40% off as long as you buy one thing at a time. Yep. So such a great hack. So I am going, I'll put on Instagram the process. She took some pictures for me as we went through the process. You can see the transformation of our farmhouse board and it's really cool to see. So you got to check out Emily. She's amazing. Uh, Her Instagram handle is at Emily Rochelle dot arts. And it's well, Emily, M-I-L-Y, R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E dot art, Emily Rochelle dot art. So she's just got the most beautiful stuff. She does calligraphy for like everybody I know's weddings Mm -hmm. and she does these beautiful arts, um, watercolors of like the church for the invitations and things. She's just, she's incredible. So check her out and I will post how she did that. And if you live in Denver, you can ask her to do that for you. Whatever you want, whatever you want scripted, she can do it for you on wood. It's awesome. I got a new, I just got to have Hobby Lobby. That's it. Fantastic. All right. So let's get back to our four do's for newborns. Our second one is do plan the baptism. Lisa, tell us a little bit more. Yes. So with all of our kids, we have always planned the date of the baptism before the baby is born. Mm. The reason for that is the catechism tells us. So catechism paragraph 1250 says the sheer gratuitousness of the grace of salvation is particularly manifest in infant baptism. That's pretty important. The church And the parents would deny a child the priceless grace of becoming a child of God were they not to confer baptism shortly after birth. So the keyword right there is shortly. Mm. And that's interpreted to mean by most every priest I know um, within a few weeks, shortly after birth. Not months, not like, hey, before they turn a year, get it in, but... Like, no, 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 as soon as possible. So we always plan our baptisms around a month from the due date, which means most of our kids have been baptized around two or three weeks. Uh, but Isaac was five weeks because he was early. Nobody was ready for that. Um, but I think it's just so important. I think sometimes we forget that baptism isn't about us. It's about the baby. Yep. And while it'd be nice to do it at a really convenient time when everyone can come in town and... But if that's seven months after the baby's born, like that's seven months where your baby doesn't have like the grace and where you don't have the grace as the parents that is not, you. okay, that's theologically, we're not going to get into that. But there's, you know, a special blessing that comes upon you as you baptize your child and I'm sure a special grace that comes with that. And so 
it's just super important to think ahead with the baptism because it's so easy to let that slide Mm -hmm. and weeks go by months go by and you're like, Oh, I got to do that. I got to take that class. Like there's stuff you have to do, especially the first time before you can even like get on a calendar. Yep. And if you don't even think about stops with the baby's born, like, yeah, it's going to be months. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I think uh, with this podcast, I think with so many of these, whether it's a hack or these how to's, it's all just about living out a Catholic faith in a, with, with a different vision, right? And if we have the vision of salvation and that baptism provides that salvation, why wouldn't we want to get our child baptized as soon as we could, just like the catechism says, you know? And it's just one of those moments where maybe culturally, oh, six months or when it's convenient or when we can have a big party. But with a different vision, you just you silly, totally see that in a different light where you go, how soon could we get this child baptized? How soon could they receive that sonship, that daughtership in our Lord? Boy, why would we delay if, unless we actually had to? Word. Awesome. So that was our second thing you should do for newborns. The third one is to, to think through, do think through your help. Lisa, tell us more on this one. Yes. So this is something that I think every set of parents struggles with, this idea of help because if it's available it can be wonderful but sometimes it's actually not helpful so Mm -hmm. this is important i think to talk about before the baby comes what is this going to look like so for example um a typical story especially with first baby would be like as soon as the baby's born like both grandmas come in town and dad's home for paternity leave and then a week later, everybody leaves. Yep. Dad goes back to work. Both grandmas go home. And mom's home by herself. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted still. And I was hosting people for a week mm-hmm. while I was with this newborn, which is exhausting in itself. Yeah. Yeah. So you really got to think through beforehand. What do you need to do? Not what does everybody else want you to do? but what do you as a family need to do? And mm-hmm. I feel like I get this question all the time from first time moms, like what am I supposed to do? Like this person or my sister or whoever like wants to come, but I don't really know if I want that. And the answer is girl, you do what you want. Yep. I don't care what grandma wants. Yep. Grandma needs to get over it. You need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself in this time of postpartum because you don't know how your body's going to respond to this particular baby and you don't know um, what kind of recovery you're going to need. And if you have to try to figure that out while you're feeling like you need to make sandwiches for everybody, that's not okay. Yep. So that's my pep talk for think through your help. What's going to be best for you and for your family. And for us, what we typically have done with our subsequent kids have been the first week. We don't want visitors. It's just us. Mm -hmm. And then when the baby's a week old, that's great. Come. And I know that can be really hard, especially first time because grandma's so excited, but you just got to do what you got to do. So yeah. And if people are really trying to help, then they'll understand that that's actually what's helpful and not what they want, you know, and something that kind of struck me, it's uh, not the same thing, but related when we are at the midwifery and we're going through classes beforehand and they're kind of instructing you and they're like, it's natural childbirth. And they'd say things, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but they're like, don't invite anyone to come to the birth who wouldn't be supportive of natural childbirth. Now that sounds pretty straightforward. Like 
why would I want to invite someone into the room as I'm trying to do natural childbirth? Who's like, I don't know if this is effective or not. Or like, I don't know if this is a good You're idea. You're going to kill your baby. But the reason why they say that is because this happens all the time that somebody says, well, I would like to be there for you. I would like to help. And sometimes it's like, no, I just want to be there or I want to see how they're doing things or I want to be skeptical or whatever it might be. And it's like, that's not helpful. And people get into situations where it appears to be helpful. In reality, it's not. And you just, they said, you've got to get those people out of the room because mm-hmm. that's not helpful. And I think the same thing post, post-birth as well. It's like, yeah, you just have to, you have to be firm. You have to understand the dynamics and say, this is what would be helpful. I'm, I'm looking for people to help me, not mm-hmm. do what they want while I'm trying to deal with a newborn. Yeah, totally, totally. So be selfish, do what you need to do. Even things, other areas of help to think about too is like a meal train. Um, we had meal trains, which is, you know, when people bring you a meal with our first three. And with our fourth, I said, you know what? That was that was great for those first three. But now I'm in a different season here. I have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old who can actually help with some of these things. And we had a friend offer to do a meal train, which I completely appreciate. But when we thought it through, we said, you know what? Actually, we don't want meals brought over. Because what I remember of meals is sometimes the kids wouldn't eat them. Sometimes people would bring glass dishes or Tupperware that I felt like, oh gosh, I need to make sure that I label this and know who it's going back to. And then I felt obligated to write thank you notes. And so all of a sudden there's these new like to do's that outweigh the benefit of the meal. <laughs> so mm-hmm. at, at, for this, for that season of, of life, um, it was already complicated enough that actually made it more complicated. So, you know, you just got to think through all of those details and remember that, at the end of the day, you do what's best for you. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a first-time mom, I think it's just asking other moms, like, what is what was helpful to you? Because I think some people might be listening going, I don't like, I don't know what's helpful. You know, mm-hmm. for, for folks who have already had a baby, I think you can reflect and go, all right, I'm going to pinpoint, like, what's really helpful? What do I need? I'm going to have those crucial conversations. going to walk these things through. If you've never had a baby before, that's where you can listen, obviously, to some of our advice, talk to other people, talk to friends, and just, like, ask key questions like, what was it like the first couple of days and what was the most helpful thing that was there and what do you wish you did differently? What are you glad that you did? And, and talk to three or four people and get lots of opinions and, and then that'll help you plan and then have those conversations as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. So we made it through three do's. Let's go to our fourth one. It is do make things convenience. Yes. Convenience. I'm a big believer in this one because you are recovering. You have a newborn and if there's any time in life to take advantage of conveniences, it's now. It's it's a newborn <laughs> or in a time other time of crisis, right? But for most of us, uh, this is an obvious time, right? So take advantage of all the amazing things that are now available. The grocery pickups, I feel like every grocery store now, mm-hmm. even like Walmart and Target and every grocery store, they all have the ability to shop online and go pick your groceries up or even have them delivered. Yep. Do it. Sit on your couch and put together your grocery list, pay the five bucks that it costs for the delivery charge or for the pickup convenience, whatever. Just do it. Now's the time to do it. Or ordering things from Amazon. If you're like, I just don't want to go get new diapers. Okay order from Amazon, Mm -hmm. go with the convenience, get takeout, do whatever it takes. 
And yes, it does cost a little bit more during that time, but this is your sanity here. This is your ability to recover. And so maybe that means planning ahead budget-wise yep. and making room for uh, extra expenses during the first three months or however long it takes that you need to recover um, to make things super convenient. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so important to like, yeah, figure what's going to be most helpful uh, for some people, it's like using Amazon Prime Now for the first time. If you don't know what Amazon Prime Now is, it can change your life. It's Amazon delivery like an hours. And some cities have it, some cities don't. Mm-hmm. But I remember a few years ago, like I didn't know Amazon Prime Now was in Denver. And all of a sudden I discovered it. And it's like, so somebody will drive something to my house in the next two hours if I order it from Amazon Prime Now. And they don't have everything from Amazon, but they have a lot of the staples and sometimes you just get into situations where you just go, oh my gosh, I have a party. Mm-hmm. I can't run out to get these things, but some guy could deliver it in three hours. Okay, let's do that. And I think when you have a baby, there's just those moments you go, I can't imagine leaving the house right now and paying this driver five extra dollars for a tip. Uh, yeah, that's a no brainer because I, mm-hmm. you know, I can't leave this house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm a big believer in make it as convenient as possible as you adjust and change and remember it's not going to be like this forever i know i get into this tunnel where i'm like i will never sleep again i will never be productive again i will never get all the laundry done and (laughs) it's hard it's really really hard and so those little conveniences just help yep i think that's probably you know we covered four dues but i think that's your last one is is do you realize there's a certain season of having a newborn, you know, like just that vision, that perspective, because when you're in that mode and you're like, I'll never sleep again. And it's so difficult and whatever, you know, everything you're going through and your body's healing and it just feels, you just feel off, you know, like that it's what's going to happen. But I think, yeah, have that perspective, have that positivity. That's huge to help you make it through that season of life. So, mm-hmm. Hey, we discovered a fifth. Fifth do. Mm-hmm. And in review, the first four were, as we do these four do's for newborns, do resign to 20% productivity. Realize you're not going to give us much done. Do plan the baptism. Do think through your help. Do make things convenient. And uh, do have perspective or be positive. Maybe that's our, our fifth one. So mm-hmm. that was uh, our episode today. But let's close with our how-to challenge. Lisa. Yes. So our how-to challenge for today, if you are having a baby, which we realize is not going to be everybody, but if you are, don't just plan for the birth. I think that's the trip up that most first-time parents will say. Like, we did all this studying and all this preparation for the birth, and then the baby came, and we went home and had no idea what to expect or what to do. So make sure you're also planning for life after the birth. And then for those of you who are not pregnant, which is the majority of you most likely, um, I would say find a friend or ask a friend who you know who's recently had a baby or who's about to have a baby and say, hey, I know you're about to have a baby. What's one thing I can do for you? So instead of saying, well, here's what I want to do for you. I'm going to take your kids out to ice cream at 2.30 on a Thursday. That might be a horrible time because that's nap time for the toddler and the worst thing to do for a toddler during nap time is to give them a bunch of sugar. Instead, say, what's one thing I can do for you that could help in this situation? And don't be offended if it's not what you wanted. You can always decline and say, oh, gosh, I wish I could do that, but that's actually not going to work. But be open to 
offering and actually doing whatever it is they need, even if it's not what you were hoping you would want to do or get to do. That's sacrificial love right there. Word. Well, that was our show for today. Thanks so much for listening in. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at madetomagnify.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter or Lisa Ann Cotter, and that is Ann with no E. As always, if you enjoyed this show, please give a rating on iTunes. It helps so much. And go ahead and add it to your podcast subscriptions and tell a friend. This helps get out the word about how to Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it.